This episode is part of a series of soothing meditations to ground your creative mind. I hope you enjoy it. Dear Creative Mind, welcome. This podcast is a space I created for us to explore the depth, textures, and intricacies of our creative mind. My name is Pascal, and I'll be your guide helping you navigate your rebellious path. I know our creative mind sometimes gets lost in the maze of our imagination or sidetracked by the stories of our inner critic. On this podcast, you'll find grounding meditations to soothe your mind, coaching notes to help you find more focus and flow, and conversations with other creatives to inspire you in the hopes of helping you better understand and take care of your whole creative self. I really do hope you enjoyed this episode. Today I'm chatting with Julie Kim, former client and artist. It's been an honor to support Julie throughout the fall of 2021, and I'm so happy to share her story and her art with you today. I've been personally inspired by her approach that is very slow and intentional and layered, and you'll get to know what I mean when you listen to the episode. Julie is so connected to her space, her materials, her intuition, and it's truly a beautiful thing to witness, and you can really, really feel it in her work. So during this conversation, we talk about the nourishing aspect of art. We talk about how to design a space that helps us focus and find our flow. We chat about the importance of being connected to the earth, to our art, to ourselves. And we also chat about how she started to make her own paint with natural pigments. We talk about her artist residency in Peru and also how she gets inspired by both the inner and outer landscapes to create her paintings. So it's a lovely conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Julie, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thanks for having me, Pascal. Of course. How's your creative mind feeling today? My creative mind, it is feeling really light and warm and just kind of happy to be in this beautiful summer <laughs> and just kind of relishing in the, the space that I have in my life at the moment. So just really grateful for that. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing. Julie, we've worked together last year for about four months and I had the chance to witness your whole journey uh, and, and kind of be behind the scenes of your whole transformation, going from being a full-time employee to transitioning and creating more space for creativity in your life. So I cannot wait to, to kind of get into all of that. But before we go there, I would love for the listeners to hear a bit more about you as a creative person. So who's Julie, the artist? What's your relationship with creativity like? Uh, some weird passions you have, anything you want to share about your creative self? Yeah, so I guess, I mean, there are so many creative things that I love to do and that I think we all love to do. But in my life, I've really been focused on painting and drawing. And I've also really loved music from a really young age. Um, I learned piano when I was a kid and 
I sang in choirs and um, I learned guitar when I got older. And then, yeah, so music is actually kind of, kind of a big part of my creative, creative inspiration as well, but mostly painting, drawing, all kinds of things, working with my hands. I've just always loved crafts growing up and cooking. And uh, I started drawing from a very young age and it really developed into a passion when I got into middle school. And as soon as I could take an art class, as soon as one was available to me, I signed up and it just pretty much never stopped. So mm -hmm. every opportunity I had, I, I just continued to, to sign up and learn. So that, that really is, yeah, it's just always been this core part of my life, even though I didn't really have like a, an, a reason to do it or a particular goal or, or desire with it. It's just, I just loved being in that space. Yeah, and, and loving it and, and having fun with it is good enough of a reason, I would say. Sometimes we, we tend to feel guilty because we feel it doesn't have a meaning or a purpose, Uh, and we tend to put it aside. But what I'm hearing from you is that it's always been an important part of your life. And uh, I guess I'm curious to know what was helpful maybe for you to, to make it a consistent part of your days and your weeks. Is there any practice or anything that's been helpful for you to make sure that you had that space for art? Yeah, you know, I'll, I mean, to be honest, When I was younger and kind of in school years, it was more about procrastinating from other things. So I would just do art and draw and I would kind of put off all my other responsibilities for a while until, until I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> and uh, it, it just helped me get in the right mindset to, to tackle the other tasks and I just loved it so it was always the thing that I chose to do first I think that's a huge part of even today how how I make space is that if I feel like that is a part of my day or week that I want it's I do it first so if we want to think more practically if if I want to make space for painting or doing some kind of creative outlet or activity or any expression I just and I feel the urge for it or I feel the desire to go sit down or go move around and do the thing I just do it then mm -hmm. unless unless there's something really barring me from doing it at the moment but I just I try to go when I have the energy in the present moment for it and then you know like an hour half an hour two hours whatever afterwards I kind of get it out of my system and I continue on with everything else I need to do yeah that's a miracle I, I know a lot of creative minds struggle with making it consistent like having this motivation this inspiration this this trust in themselves as well to know that it's important for them and that that's what feeds all of the other areas of their lives um so thank you for sharing that I think that's very inspiring And I guess I'm, I'm curious to hear about what, what are some maybe 
practices or things that that help you keep the practice alive and inspiring like sometimes we go through some some creative blocks where we may be facing some like uninspired moments how do you keep it alive for you yeah well well I I guess I don't like to think of a creative block as Mm -hmm. as a creative block and if I I kind of see creation in general is is like a there's seasons to it and it's a life cycle so I don't feel I just don't get too down about it if if for some reason I'm in a season of more rest and dormancy or absorption and Mm -hmm. and I and I I'm like oh maybe I'm not feeling so much I want to do but I'm feeling a lot like I want to listen and I want to absorb and read or talk or you know just do other things that feel more nourishing at that moment and I go all, all into that with a lot of trust and I mean, from my experience, every time, you know, it loops back around and we, we come back into, or I come back into a space that is more of a doing phase again. So uh, I, I guess I just like to think of it as not something to, to feel so negative about or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. It just means I need to nourish other parts of myself because for me, art practice and creativity and inspiration are from my life my living and not just you know not just to create the the thing in the medium that i i like it's it's really about like how do i nourish myself my mind my emotions my body am i eating well am i like moving my body and breathing well like all of these things I feel like come first. So if I take care of my, my body's needs, my mind feels better. I feel more relaxed. I feel more available. I feel energized and I have energy to learn and do. So yeah, anytime I feel blocked or, or like it's kind of a lull, it just means that I need to tend to other parts of my world. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's amazing advice and I could not agree more. I think it's very important also to, as you mentioned, see it as a cycle. There are seasons in our creativity and also when we may be facing some moments where we're not that inspired or we're a little bit more tired or we can't really find uh, our muse anymore it's a great clue to ask ourselves where what other part of myself do I need to, to nourish? Do I need to rest a little bit more? Do I need to reflect? Would I benefit from moving my body? Um, and, and to accept that, to not force the creativity flow to come back, but to just allow it to, to flow through us and accept, well, this might be more of a reflective period and to trust that it's going to come back. So I think that's a that's a powerful reminder. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and and just kind of thinking about inspiration, you know what what is that, <laughs> and <laughs> and what does that mean for me and and for everyone that's so different. And I guess it's just kind of this this core energy, creative energy that we all have access to within ourselves, and and so 
whatever practice helps you connect to your heart and to your, you know, what, what it's trying to tell you and what it wants to do and, and just really making the space to listen to that and to honor that and, and like make it happen. Even if your mind's like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but I find that anytime I, I really prioritize my heart, that's like the instant portal to, to inspiration, to the, to the flow of that. Yeah, beautifully said. And um, so I've been kind of behind the scenes of your transformation this year and everything that happened. Uh, and it was just so beautiful for me and so inspiring for me to, to be a part of this chapter of your journey And, and when I'm working with people, I can learn so much from them. And I learned so much from you in terms of your approach and, and how you see things and how um, you approach your art. So we'll, we'll talk a bit about, about that because you have a specific approach that I feel is so inspiring. But also what was um, so inspiring for me is to see you really honor your rhythms and your seasons and to always ask yourself, where am I? What season am I in and to adapt your space to adapt your practices to ask yourself do I need to go on a trip to get some inspiration uh, do I need to change my space around so it's been so so cool for me to see you every time I would we would jump on a call I felt that your creative space changed just a little bit um, so that was super cool to see I don't know if you want to share with the listeners how you approach creating your your own space, how your environment affects you, uh, and, and some, some things that have been helpful for you to just make sure that the creative flow is there for you and, and you could find your focus in your practice. Yeah, you know, I, I guess you can put on an interior designer's cap or like <laughs> a feng shui person's cap or, or something like this. But I, I think the basis is just how to organize your room or your space or your desk whatever space that you have into a, a way where it feels really inviting and you want to go be there and you want to spend time there and you know if you're able to kind of leave things in process you can always come back in and you don't have to like set up and tear down mm -hmm. every time that's super helpful and Yeah, just, I think that's the most important thing though, is you just have to really make it something you like. And the, the other bit is to sort of create a, a ritual or like a, a, a ceremony sort of feeling. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you start your art practice and you end it, you kind of do the same things to initiate and to wrap up. So you, you kind of have this ritual that helps you get in the zone and know that it's time to do the thing. And um, yeah, I, in, in general, I like to keep my space really clean and I tend to do some clearing and, and like open all the windows and flush all the air out, you know, kind of do that thing to reset. Burning incense of things that I like, <laughs> playing music, like all, just creating a nice vibe that allows you to, to be in your, your zone, your zone of creativity, of 
flow of just that space where you can completely absorb yourself into what you're focused on. So Mm -hmm. everything to support that. And yeah, even just like the direction you put your desk uh, can really, I mean, I recommend just trying all of the directions (laughs) and layouts until you find what works. And, and I, I would do that a lot. I think in previous places I lived too, where, where I probably rearrange every month until I found the right flow for me, which might sound kind of kooky, but, but, but then I find it, I I would find the, the right arrangement of pieces and find the right pieces of furniture that, that would feel just right. And feel like my home, my, um, space that I I was excited to go to and be at or sit at yeah absolutely and I'm the same like my environment changes so often and and also it depends on what I'm doing so when it when I'm writing it looks so different than when I'm drawing or when I'm painting like I, I I feel like I'm not in the same creative space or mind in my mind I mean so it has to also reflect that um and I think it's important to allow yourself to to be flexible around that because sometimes we wait for the perfect conditions or the perfect environment or we imagine this beautiful perfect studio and it prevents us from taking action but we also have to just check in with ourselves and see how we're feeling and what we need and then make sure that we we tend to those needs but um I mean, it's very different from person to person when it comes to creative spaces, but what I'm hearing from you is make sure that it's attractive. So so you have an interesting vibe that you want to be there, that it's easy to get to. You also mentioned maybe reducing some frictions. Uh, You mentioned, um, what did you mention? To make it attractive, to to reduce the friction and, and to also clear the space you mentioned um oh yeah the like cleaning yeah exactly to make it easy to to work with and also to if you can not have to redo your whole like rearrange your whole uh, environment every day and just leave things as is and start again that can be very helpful to just reduce the friction um but there's some basic important things that you've mentioned in setting up your creative space that can be so important um yeah and also and I think yeah go ahead I think you mentioned one too because you know you you were talking about how you have different spaces for different activities mm-hmm. and I, I think this is also really important for me is that I don't eat where I draw or you know that yeah. I don't um, watch tv where I'm working with pigments or I, I don't uh uh, I guess more energetically, like try to keep it focused so that the associations you have with that space are purely of that activity of the creative zone mindset. And uh, and if you do decide to change it, that's when I do a big cleaning. So I'll like mm-hmm. wipe every, take everything off, wipe it all down, put the new, you know, set up the new space and it becomes a different zone. But mm-hmm. Yeah, the focus and it seems subtle, but you know, you'll you'll notice because the the emotional connection you have will also be mixed with the connection you have with the other activities that you you do there. Absolutely. So I think going back to that 
that energy, that feeling that you need to be in that creative mindset. Like, for example, when I write, I need to be extremely focused. And when I paint or when I draw, I like to kind of walk around and, and be a bit more dynamic. And I'm in a different mindset. So it needs to reflect that as well. So going back to the feeling that you need and making sure that it it reflects that feeling externally around you is very important, I think. Um, but also, I think when it comes to creative spaces, I'm also curious to learn more about your different traveling experiences. I know you've been in, in many different retreats and you've gathered some interesting inspiration for your watercolor paintings and also pigments. So I would love to hear more also about the, the natural pigments and, and why you use it and how you got there. Uh, so can you tell us a bit more about your traveling journeys? Yeah, definitely. So the natural pigments. So I work with natural pigments, <laughs> which are essentially crushed up rocks, uh, various minerals, soils, earth matter that have a particular color or mineral composition as well. And this is what, if you think back to old oil paintings in art museums today, like those, those are all created using pigments ground up with linseed oil and, you know, made by hand, not in a uh, industrially created and sold in a paint tube. So it's not a very new, new thing. It's a very ancient thing to work with pigments. And you can pretty much find them anywhere that has, you know, earth that hasn't been overly processed, overly mined or just go to the beach, go to the rivers. There's always some kind of interesting stones. And it's, I started to make my own paints with these pigments actually during one of my first, I guess, long, long, um, long stays in Peru because I had decided to do an artist residency in the Peruvian jungle at a place called Sachaca. And my host there, she was running a natural pigments course along with your stay there. And prior to that, I, I was actually an oil painter. So I was making these three, four foot oil paintings on canvas. And, you know, it takes, I work in many, many, many layers. So it would take days for each layer to dry. Mm -hmm. So it was a very, I already worked so slow. So <laughs> to work at oil paint was like extremely slow. And, and I just found that I started to think about, you know, my usage and toxicity and, and just like, I didn't really feel very good too with the solvents, although that they are less toxic than they used to be. They, they still kind of affected me. So I just didn't really and all the paper towels and like I would be there's nowhere to dump the paint and stuff like that so and it's not water soluble it's not good for the environment so I just didn't really feel awesome about that so that's how I was really called into natural pigments because like whoa you can you can just go go in nature and <laughs> who needs the shopping cart there <laughs> just bring, bring your purse. 
and and I had always wanted to go to Peru as well, so I was specifically looking there. And I watched a documentary and was just amazed by the landscapes. I was I love to explore new landscapes. And in Peru, you have all these different regions that are wildly different. You can go be in the mountains, ice cold, snow capped mountains. And then you can be in the desert, then you can be in the jungle, and then, you know, city, rural. It's just like this huge spectrum. So, yeah. So I went out to Peru. I did this artist residency where I was collecting stones with my host, Trina by the rivers and like hiking into the jungle and going to these waterfalls and things like that. And then taking all those stones back to the studio and making my own paint, which was super, super rugged. The first, first batches, I didn't really have any proper, t- I didn't even know what I needed. I was just, I just Googled, I think, how do you make watercolor paint? And I read that I needed gum arabic, so I brought that. And um, yeah, I used like a plate and this lid of a jar to kind of mull, mull the pigment with the stuff. And, and it turned out, yeah, it turned out great. And so it had this beautiful full palette of earth colors from those river stones and waterfall stones. And then I also had my palette, which, which was all completely store-bought synthetic stuff from Seattle, where, where I brought it from. So it was this beautiful discovery of like, how do I integrate these natural pigments in with what I was doing? Like, do these even fit together? What does it feel like if I use all natural materials? And, you know, discovering how every rock is so different. Every rock has a very different mineral composition. And so the way it behaves in water and with binders, just really different. And the way it dries, it can be more transparent, more opaque. And so I just discovered this huge range of subtleties and nuance that did not exist. So mm-hmm. it just does not exist in a, in a palette you, you buy at the store. And um, it's a very, very different quality of paint as well as, you know, if you, if you imagine one thing that, that really affected me was when you make your own pigments, you grind them by hand in a mortar and pestle or something like this. So, so it's, it's not ground up in this perfect way versus if you, if something is ground up in a machine, it's kind of all exactly the same. They're like, like every piece is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's obviously pros and cons there, but the, the natural pigments, they just have this more crystalline way of, how they refract light and and there is just a much more alive feeling when you look at something that has been made with everything handmade versus something that has no handmade elements to it so mm-hmm. yeah all of that just really powered like this huge curiosity of wanting to know more and like wanting to go to other places to forage for pigments there and discover well, what are these what is this land like? What are these rocks like? What is what does it feel like to paint with these? And like, how are they these colors different from the other ones? And yeah, so that just kind of prompted me to to take any opportunity when uh, traveling, either for personal reasons or for art reasons, just to always be on the 
you know, have an open eye for, for pigments and stones. And so I was actually able to bring back a lot of the pigments that I collected while I was there. Um, I even went back to do some more work there. And I also spent some time in the desert in California collecting stones and um, around all around Washington, since that's where I live. It's really every hike, every, every jaunt, uh, there's always something to find. And, and it, there's kind of a intuition about foraging and you ca I can't really explain how to find them, but you really have to tap into observation skills mm -hmm. and, and being really present with the environment and like being really receptive because what looks like a sea of rocks, once you really tune in and arrive, can start to become a much more varied and nuanced experience. Mm, and that's so fascinating. And I'm just so curious to, to try it out. I, I haven't yet. And I feel like it just, it creates that even deeper connection to your, your art and to your practice as well. And you just mentioned that that it's important also to to have that skill of observing. And sometimes we forget about how important it is. So when you are on a hike and you need to to find that that rock and and you're looking for that pigment, it just it just one helps you connect to nature and and to your practice and also to to kind of refine that skill of, of observation. Um, so I think it just, it just brings out so many different nuances and so many different things that are interesting about, about that approach. I absolutely love it. And I'm curious to hear if there are any surprising pigments that you found at a certain place that you didn't expect or, uh, any specific lessons when it comes to natural pigments. Hmm. Well, I've definitely found some kinds of funky things that, <laughs> you know, what is pigment? It's, it's like the earth processing and, and photosynthesizing and like a volcanic eruptions and transformation and, and all these ways that elements are turning into something else. And so, you know, a lot of times we find pigments in places where there's been a lot of volcanic activity or, you know, areas where there's sort of been new earth coming up and bringing up deeper things. So there's, there's fresh upheaval. And, um, well, it's really interesting to try to learn some geology too and, mm -hmm. and understand like, oh, what, what, what is this mineral composition? Where does it come from? How does this relate to the history of the land? And um, I think with pigments too, it's really, I, another really important thing that it's taught me is, is how to be more in relationship with land and mm -hmm. with nature as I'm going. And, you know, I don't, it's a different attitude because I'm not swiping my credit card and buying something yeah. to receive my art materials. It's like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm um, harvesting this rock or like broken off piece of the earth. And you know, how, 
what is what makes it right for me to even take this and from from here you know and do mm -hmm. i do it with a lot of intention and and with you know what will i use this for am i gonna waste it not gonna waste it <laughs> like what will i offer back to as an exchange like how do i not take more than i need how do i only take what is kind of presented to me or given to me rather than using force mm -hmm. so that's more of a personal philosophy but i never like try to mine something off you know it's always just oh that little piece is broken off and that's just ready to be picked up by my <laughs> passing by and and um you know i sit with it and i connect with where i found it and you know say some thanks and yeah, just never, it's really about cultivating this relationship. And so when I bring these stones back, it's so much about those memories and, and what that experience of being in the land was like. Mm -hmm. So paint, painting with them, it's not just the, the color, it's, it's all of the connection and cultivated relationship, I think, too. Yeah, and there's this whole story that you, that you have with the material that you that you foraged you have this whole uh, walk in nature being present in the environment like feeling the texture learning about the the land and then you bring all of this back into your practice and i i assume it must feel very inspiring for you as well and must kind of be the source of your next projects i know you work in in collections um so can you tell tell us a bit more about like the starting point of a collection? Is that where that starts with the colors and, and the land? Is there something else that, that comes into play? Yeah, in I guess the previous bodies of work that I've painted have really stemmed from a place that I a mm -hmm. time I spent at a place and sort of what that that discovery process brought out for me. And and definitely that the pigments and the, the foraging and learning about the land, all of that is super inspiring and like a very deep well of inspiration and fuels of, because there's so much to discover. It's like being a scientist almost with every single pigment and like I could constantly find them. So it could become pretty endless, but, but there's this beautiful, I love finding color palettes. So like, how do we find, how do I find these really nice harmonies or showing a particular resonance or I, um, how do we, so when it comes to being in studio, which is now amassing a variety of places and pigments from different places and stories from all these different places it's kind of like how do we synthesize these mm -hmm. different histories into something new and something now because i'm here now which is removed from those places but the memories are still here and so in this new context what is it what can we say with it so uh, yeah so inspiration for collections can come from many many different places it can be a theme for perhaps a particular 
style or technique that I, I might be focused on in one particular moment and what that conveys for me emotionally. Uh, it could be celebrating a phase of learning from collecting pigments in Peru or in California or in Washington. And I think one of the collections I did was actually all about Seattle and Washington and sort of the contrast that I felt after returning back and, mm. and you know, using only pigments that I had found from Washington with these blues and greens of, you know, our environment, but those were synthetics and kind of figuring out the, the right blend, you know, how, how do we live in harmony? How, how does, how do these earth pigments live in harmony on paper with synthetics and man-made things? So mm -hmm. that was definitely a question that I was, and still, yeah, still, still investigating. Of, yeah. Yeah, it feels like there are so many different relationships within your work. And you've mentioned that before, but you you work very slowly in layers. And, and now you've kind of walked us through part of your creative process, which comes before actually putting paint on your, on your canvas. Um, so different layers of, of getting there. And I'm curious to know also how, how that applies when it comes to, to painting. The, your approach of working in layers has been very inspiring for me to see you slowly like build it up. Um, I, feel it, I feel it's just such a, an important reminder on, on so many levels. Uh, so I'd love to hear you more on that. It's so funny because when people just think I'm crazy because I paint so slowly, but you know, with watercolor, you, you don't have a paint over button or like a redo. Yeah. So, so it, it's taught me to be really intentional and precise and, and I don't plan out my paintings. I, I very, they're very much spontaneous. So, so I work in many layers to kind of it's more of a process of carving or revealing the painting mm -hmm. as, as it comes into formation. And it's like a conversation that I can have by going layer by layer and making, building up the darkness so that I don't lose the light because watercolor, you, uh, the, the white is your paper. So the more paint you add, you're gonna have less white and light so that, that's part of the reason why I work in layers, but also, also the, the layers allow for these beautiful interactions with the pigments. And because all, most of the paints I use are transparent, so it's, there's a lot of transparent layers. And so, you know, if you combine a red layer and a blue layer, you're going to get a, so like a purple showing layer. But painting a red layer first and then a blue layer is very different from mixing mm. red and blue and painting that. So there's a very different quality. It's subtle, but but mm -hmm. you can, you know, with our senses, it's something you can you can perceive. And I really love that quality. So that's that's what I I try to create. And and because I don't plan and I'm making it up as I go, <laughs> I have to to be prepared to pivot and follow what whatever is happening there. So working a layer is 
also allows me to do that. Yeah. And, and something I'm hearing also, and I find it so fascinating from you is I feel you're able to find that balance and that harmony within your, your creative work, but still you're playing all the time with contrast, like with picking pigments at a certain place and then coming back to your studio and, and seeing what's the relationship between the, the, the place you were at when you got the pigment and now in time where you are, where you are, but also in the world where you are, sometimes blending natural pigments and synthetic and also having this super slow layer by layer approach while being super spontaneous. Like there's so many contrasts, but still you're able to find that very grounded harmony. And I don't know, for me, it's super inspiring to, to witness. Yeah, that's, that is what you just described is I feel the essence of mm -hmm. what a painting yeah how like how I know when a painting's done or or like uh I guess in the moment at least that's that's really what I'm fascinated by is is how do how do I have this piece feel very whole because it feels really ethereal and airy and kind of like ephemeral but it also feels really grounded and earthy and rooted and and somehow those these layers and everything in between are sort of humming together in this in this nice way and i i just really love the the feeling of that of number one trying to create that that's that's like a whole discovery process and then two just to experience it is really really mm -hmm. awesome when it's done successfully and and uh it's I've definitely painted too with all natural pigments and I've painted with no natural pigments involved and and it's not so this is just a very different quality to it mm -hmm. but I think in this age there's you know since pigment foraging and paint making is kind of coming back after being lost maybe for a while it feels like a very new new thing mixing this new and ancient practices together yeah another contrast <laughs> it's beautiful <laughs> we, and we can really feel it in your work um you're doing it just wonderful works so I cannot wait for the the listeners to go and check out your your paintings and your in your fine art prints um but before we wrap up I'm, I'm curious to know if you're in the process of learning something new or what your season looks like in terms of creativity at the moment so what's coming up for you this season? Oh, wow. So summer for me is always this huge period of growth and expansion where I just get so inspired by the, mm -hmm. the day, the long days, the warmth and the all the blooming of the flowers and vegetables. Everything's just <laughs> ah, full, full on. So I get really, really inspired in the summer and you know, in terms of learning new things, I am constantly learning new things with the pigments that I already have here, kind of making refinements to my painting, sorry, my paint making process and what the paint is made from and how it's made. And just, um, just kind of creating a new palette with that, with those learnings. And also just 
always loving to learn more about energy and like different systems of of energy and kind of observing that in the world so these different cycles of transformations we have whether it's through the seasons or through a life cycle of a plant or uh, or in myself as as I kind of evolve and shed layers and and kind of let things go and make space for new things there's always there's always a lot of learning there in how the quality of my presence is and all of that so yeah practices to cultivate Mm -hmm. that you know keeping keeping grounded and um I really want to learn more about botanical types of material so with with inks or lake pigments and you know I'd really love to learn how to to do some dyeing with with those botanicals as well I've, I've got all the materials so I think now that it's so warm I can go outside and do that <laughs> me too and, I've been I've yeah. been so curious about that to to dye with flowers and to create dyes from botanicals I'm I'm also in the, in that space where I really want to learn that I haven't found the material yet I'm not there yet but it's coming up but I'll I'll if ever you share on Instagram or whatnot I'll definitely follow your journey with that yeah they're a different world completely yeah. than minerals and mm-hmm. rocks and if you make lake pigments with and try to do watercolor or painting with those they tend to fade Mm. Um, not always but they don't they're not as light fast which can be which can be really cool and it can also be a challenge if your painting changes and uh so but I think dyeing and working with plants in this way is a little Mm. more steady and and if you just think about all of the the clothings we have and clothing industry that uses these more harsh chemical Mm. dyes that are like designed and engineered to last longer than we need it to. Uh, I think that exploring the world of botanical dyes might give a new perspective on on that. I, so yeah, I could not agree more. Love that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. if the listeners are are curious about your work and your art and what's coming up for you, where where can we find you? Well, Instagram is the number one place as that's where I will it's the main social channel that I use and my website is a good place to kind of just take a look at all of the the work that I've created thus far and I have some art prints and originals for sale on my website as well um otherwise that's it I would say Instagram's my go-to (laughs) pretty simple I love that and your website is absolutely beautiful I know you have done some work on that last year and there there was so much beautiful things behind the scenes when it comes to to revealing the website so it's it's amazing and I will put all the links in the show notes Um, but thank you so so much for such a lovely conversation with you Julie I really appreciate your wisdom and your advice and your journey so thank you for sharing that with us Yay, thanks for having me and letting me share. I'm excited. I hope I hope this brings some new food for thought for anyone listening. And yeah, super grateful to have worked with you. 
last year and for all your support throughout that transformation journey and super excited for your your next endeavors as well and what this podcast will become and getting to listen to all of the episodes of course thank you thank you for having this conversation or meditation with me today And because it is a conversation, you're always welcome to reach out and let me know what came up for you. If this episode felt supportive, please share it with a friend and take a quick minute to leave a rating and a review. It means the world to me when you support the podcast. And if you're curious about working with me as your private coach, you can learn more at DearCreativeMind.com. That's also where you can find more resources to support you and also join our monthly gathering, The Creative Playground. Thank you so much for being here today and we'll speak again very soon.